This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Welcome into Five on Three, WFUV Sports NHL podcast. I am Tyler Mooney alongside Sam Board and James Burl. Did I get that right? Burley, it's Hennessy's been been okay. messing you up. All yeah, time. I know. <laughs> and I was going to ask you before the show, and then I hit record, and I was like, I never. <laughs> well, no, this is, you know what? I'm glad this is how we started because now we can get it out in the open. Yeah, good. so there's no messing up from here on out. There we go. <laughs> how are you guys doing today? Doing well. I'm back home in Colorado. Um, got to go to the Avs game last night, which we'll touch upon, but that was a heartbreaking return to ball arena for me, but it was still lots of fun, but I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here and be with my animals again. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing well as well. Um, I missed the end of the avalanche game last night, so I'm very disappointed because it was quite spectacular. Um, but we'll get into that later. As you said, Sam. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm happy to be back on the podcast for the first time in like five months. I don't know how long it's been for me on five on three, but uh, seriously, uh, yeah, I missed this. Oh, I've been talking soccer all this all this time. Uh, I've been waiting to do hockey again, and here I am. So it's going to be a good time. I'm excited. Yeah, it is going to be a good time. We got plenty to talk about. The last time Chris, Mike, and Tom recorded, that was right at the end of the first round to start of the second round. So it's been there's been a lot going on. We'll start <laughs> locally with the Rangers who. Their series is tied 2-2 with the Hurricanes. Game 5, pivotal Game 5, is tonight. After the first two games in Carolina, Hurricanes win 2-1 in overtime and then 2-0. Things looked, things did not look good for the Rangers coming back to New York, but the Hurricanes have still yet to win a single road playoff game in these playoffs. New York takes Game 3-3-1 and Game 4-4-1 to tie this series. And Sam, for the Rangers going into these games at New York, they needed to get their big guys going and Criders have been a Jad cop all have been going the last few games and that's really spurred the Rangers on to new life in this series. Yeah, it absolutely has. I know we talked about that um, for round one, as we were saying, you need to get these big scores going. Like you said, the Criders, the Zabana Jets, wow, say that five times fast, of the world, because that's where you're going to get the most production. Obviously, they have a deep enough roster that others are contributing, as we've seen this whole time. But you need your big men to score. It's the same thing with the Avalanche. It's saying you need to get the Mikos, the Max, et cetera, to be there because you can't rely fully on your defense and on Igor to just carry you through it, which they haven't. And I frankly will say I'm shocked that like they've managed to even the series as much as I hate saying that as a secondary Rangers fan, I was shocked. I thought that it was game over. I thought they were going to come to New York and I thought Carolina was going to take it, but no, I'm thrilled to see it, but yeah, getting those big guys going on the offensive production has been huge. And you've seen what it's done for them. Winning four, one winning three, one is huge. Cause you're not just winning by that one goal margin. It's not that super close game. And it allows you to breathe a little bit as you head into the final 20 minutes or whatnot, as you go through the game. I, I think as much as it pains me to say this as not a secondary Rangers fan, but um, <laughs> they have been really, really good at home, especially. I think it's what five or six uh, home playoff wins in a row now. Um, I think it's five. I'm, I'm not positive on that. Someone will have to fact check that for me. It won't be too difficult to look that up. It's five. Yeah, I think so. Oh, well, great. Perfect. But the reason <laughs> that is, is um, because the, and I haven't been there, but I've seen it. Um, the atmosphere at the garden has been amazing. The fans have really gotten behind this team and I, and 
for, for what reason not to? I mean, you got Chris Kreider as a 50-goal scorer. You've got the best goaltender in the league. And another thing is you've got an exciting physical team. And that's how they're going to have to match up against a team like Carolina that's so athletic and dynamic and polished. you got to beat speed and youth with physicality. And with that said, the Rangers have plenty of youth and speed of their own, as well as so much skill. So I see this series going seven, personally. And um, I see it coming down to a game of inches. But that home record for the Rangers is huge. And, I mean, the Hurricanes have the exact same thing. They won all their home games and lost all their away games thus far. Um, it's going to come down to, to who can, you know, last longer, you know, stamina. It's going to come down to the last minute. This, this series has shown us that both these teams can give a punch and take a punch. Um, and on that note, I think Gerard Gallant deserves a lot of credit as well for being able to be flexible with his lines. Um, the kid line that worked so well early in the playoffs did not work so well in the first two games against Carolina. He broke them up and they've been playing some amazing hockey. Like that shifting of the lines allowed players like Heedle to really come into his own. And Andrew Kopp especially has been unreal. This has been such a fun series. And the Rangers especially, even across both series, have been great to watch. This this series is, is only going to get better from here too. Yeah, definitely credit to Gerard Gallant. You know, when you score one goal in your first two playoff games, I think, especially if you want to be considered a Jack Adams finalist as Gerard Gallant is, something had to give there, something had to switch up, and it definitely helped. And while the offense has been going, you both kind of touched on as well, Igor Shesterkin. We are now seeing the Igor Shesterkin that is the Vesna finalist and the Hart finalist. After game four, since since game four in Pittsburgh, where he got pulled for the second straight game, he now has a 939 save percentage. So that's even a tick above what he was doing in the regular season. He has completely elevated his game. And, uh, I mean, Carolina, they scored an empty net goal in game two. But if you take that away, they've only scored five goals in four games. So you're really looking at a team like the Rangers. If they can come out and get, you know, two, three goals early, that could, I don't want to say the game could be over, but the way Igor is playing, it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, he's been just a brick wall recently, like you said. Like, I know in the first round, it was a little hard for some Rangers fans to swallow that maybe he is fallible. Maybe he's not this perfect creature that we all thought he was. But that also doesn't mean he's not, again, one of the best goaltenders in the league. I think that, like you said, like, I would hate to be like, oh, the game is over. But if they're able to start, scoring early to get out there and get a high number of goals here's the thing is like you said the canes aren't exactly the most highest production team that's not necessarily what they do they're not the like tampa bay lightning florida panthers scoring nine goals a game you know that's not what they do every single time i think that if the rangers can find do we get a little frozen sam here uh-oh <laughs> uh-oh all right well, technical difficulties the cross country five on three. Yeah, we're we're all we're hitting all corners of the country right now. I'm in Philly, James in New York, and Sam is in Denver. And we've unfortunately lost Sam for for the moment. So uh, I guess we can. Did you have anything else you want to say about Igor, James? Um, since it's all positive, unfortunately, no, I don't want to say it, but <laughs> I will say it in that uh, he is he has been calling. Uh, I don't know if you saw it on. After the uh, game last night with uh, the TNT broadcast, they brought in all these um, goalie stats comparing Igor and Vasilevsky to Patrick Waugh, Jacques Plante, Marty Brodeur, Dominic Hasek. He's invited those comparisons in just the season alone and just his bounce back from game four um, in the uh, first series against Pittsburgh. 
he's been that good. And um, he's been a joy to watch if you enjoy the Rangers having success. So I've not had fun watching him. But, um, yeah, he is – he. I don't want to say he alone has turned the series around because that's not true, but he has been perhaps the Rangers' biggest factor um, in doing so. Yeah, definitely. Sam is back, everyone. Back. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You guys, I was in the middle of giving an answer, and then the Wi-Fi cut out, and then I kept talking because I didn't know I was frozen, and then my Zoom just <laughs> – closed so the joys of um the internet i guess i'm so sorry <laughs> oh that's fine that's fine i my internet's not great so i uh, i thought it was i was worried it was me each other there was like a weird awkward dead silence yeah. uh, all right well moving past that you know sorry. Five, no it's fine game five tonight that winner of that will take a 3-2 series lead and will move one step away from reaching the Eastern Conference Finals. And the reward for reaching the Eastern Conference Finals will be playing the defending back-to-back Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. They just swept the President's Trophy winning Florida Panthers out of the water. Tampa has now won 10 straight series. That's tied for the third most of all time, only behind the 1980s Islanders, shout out Chris, and the 1970s Canadians. And Pat Maroon also has won 14 straight series, which would be, I believe, second all time uh, if I he has his own team. <laughs> I think the last series Pat Maroon lost was to the Lightning with the New Jersey Devils. If I if I think that's correct, that, in 2018. that probably will be correct because yeah, crazy. he was on the he was on the Blues in 19, and then Lightning 21. Yep. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so Tampa takes care of business in that series. Um, a, a complete shock. I would say, I mean, a lot of people picking Florida to, you know, win outright, but I don't think anybody, James, saw the Tampa Bay Lightning sweeping the Florida Panthers, who averaged four goals per game in the regular season, and they managed three goals in the entire series. That, that, that's, the, that's the craziest stat, that they only managed to put up a goal in, what, game two and then game three, and then game four and game one, they were shut out. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, no, they scored a goal in game one as well. Okay, yeah, never mind. Um, yeah, no, the Panthers were an absolute revelation uh, during the regular season. Um, just across every position on the ice, they actually put fans back into the seats at, uh, in Sunrise. And I know they get made fun of a lot, but that stadium looks fun. You know, when, when they score a goal, they get some Jimmy Eat World, uh, one of the best goal songs in the NHL. They, I, love, I love that they have that going for them but they don't have any more playoffs going for them. The lightning. I mean, I said this when we did like the, uh, the award show um, that I had the lightning over the Panthers and people were like, I don't know about that, man. I was, I wasn't confident about it either. Um, And I certainly didn't think it'd be a sweep, but the lightning experience and Vasilevsky especially um, came up so, so big. Um, You had the big players on the Panthers just being like non-factors overall. Meanwhile, you've got guys like Steven Stamkos for the Lightning. And I just want to say this. this is my, my, I'll leave it at this with Steven Stamkos. He doesn't get enough credit as a superstar that he is. He is a bona fide NHL superstar. And because he's on the Lightning that has, you know, Braden Point, Vasilevsky, and Kucherov, he doesn't get as much credit as he should when he is still easily one of the top players, uh, top talents in the NHL. And I, I love watching him play. Um, then the Lightning deservedly. Uh, belong in the Eastern Conference Final. I don't think that that's beyond a shadow of a doubt, in my opinion. At this point, they proved it against um, Toronto, who uh, first round exit. I mean, it's guaranteed at this point. And uh, now Florida, an even bigger test. 
Yeah, I mean, I my bracket is in shambles, uh, to say the least, everybody. I because I mean, I had the wild winning, first of all, and then I also had uh, the Panthers winning, which I don't know why I would bet against the Lightning, the back to back Stanley Cup champions. That is my own silliness. Maybe it's because they're the president's trophy. I had the Panthers too. So, did you have the Panthers too? Okay, good because they looked so promising in the regular season. I mean, president's trophy winners, which I guess that should have been our cue of the curse, but they looked so promising. I thought that they were producing ways that I hadn't seen them before. They were scoring those eight, nine goals a game. So then to be reduced to shutouts and one goal a game just shows how formidable the Tampa Bay lightning really are. I think that Vasilevsky is, as we know, one of the best goalies in the league. Uh, He's right up there with everybody else. He's phenomenal. I was not expecting it to be a sweep, but you know what? I was wrong. I think that they are making an incredible run at a three-peat of the cup right now, one that I wasn't quite expecting, and now I'm seriously considering the fact that they could do it. Oh, yeah, they absolutely could do it. I mean, Andre Vasilevsky, he has six shutouts in the last seven. Six of the last seven Tampa Bay Lightning closeout games, he's had a shutout. That is that's like, I don't need, there's no words to describe how <laughs> that is. That is literally single-handedly deciding. It does not matter what the team in front of me does tonight. We are not losing this game. I mean, it's just, that's all time stuff. There was the mm-hmm. segment on TNT. I, I guess it must've been after game four where um, Tockett was like doing his Mount Rushmore of goalies and, you know, Vasilevsky was, was getting included on there. And like, honestly, you know, Maybe going into this season, I I wouldn't have think this, but if you take into account, if this team is able to win a third straight Stanley Cup and you take into consideration just the absolute dominating fashion that Vasilevsky has been able to literally shut down every single team that he has gone against in the playoffs. I mean, he's he's definitely already up there with some of the greatest goaltenders of our generation, but I think he could be moving up to some of the greatest goaltenders of all time. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that what we're seeing out of him right now is just – so unreal and it could be moving to that greatest of all time place if he continues to have a career like this over the next few years I think that you got to start comparing him to Lundqvist to the greats because he is just obscenely good yeah I think he's already there I think I think Lundqvist himself last night said that he was already in that category when he would because they made Lundqvist because he was on the panel last night he looked at the uh Mount Rushmore and was like Vasilevsky what he's doing now it's all-time stuff uh going back to um 40 or so years that Lundqvist said he's been watching hockey, that Vasilevsky has been one of the best, if not the best he's ever seen. Uh, so yeah, Vasilevsky already in good company in terms of the all time greats list, the, the six out of your seven last the clinching games. Is it that he's gotten a shutout? That's obscene. That is unreal. How good that is. Yeah. It's insane. Um, literally no words to describe it. And then, you know, before we move on, I feel like we do need to touch on the Panthers a little bit more. This was the president's trophy winning team. They limped their way through the first round. You know, we, we can be honest. They were down two one to Washington and it took a couple pretty crazy comebacks for them to even escape that series in six games. And then just getting completely demolished in this series. Um, a lot of their big guys are still locked up for the future. So I don't think there's any issue about the core going away there. Obviously guys like Giroux and Sherratt who are, free agent or not free agent deadline acquisitions. Those are rentals. Those guys will probably not be there anymore, but a big question right now facing the Florida Panthers is what do you do with Sergei Bobrovsky? He's still making $10 million for, I believe the next either four or five years. 
And Elliot Freeman on 32 Thoughts said that he suspected this past year the Panthers tried hard to trade Bobrovsky or at least to lay the groundwork for a trade of Sergei Bobrovsky. Obviously, they have Spencer Knight waiting in the wings, who is an outstanding goaltender in his own right. And it's really difficult to, you know, build a team when you're paying a goalie $10 million. And especially when you're paying a goalie $10 million and he, we saw it perfectly this series. Andre Vasilevsky made the saves that needed to be saved. Sergey Borowski, when the Florida Panthers needed a save, he was unable to provide it to them. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on, you know, what the Panthers' future will be with Bob. Obviously, I mean, that's a that's an extremely difficult contract to trade, but uh, I think it's something the Panthers should, should absolutely be at least looking into. Yeah. I, oh, go ahead, James. Sam, you go. No, you go. Oh, it. God. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> Um, I think that it's, oh, it is so hard because you're paying someone $10 million to produce the way they are. That's not, I mean, you do at least have to consider it. Will they end up fully trading him? I don't know. I'm hesitant to say yes, just because of what he means to the Panthers, who he is in terms of the last couple of years for them. I don't know. I'd be hesitant to say, I think they should look into it, see what they can get because 10 is a lot of money for anyone for any player, let alone for someone who is not really producing in the way you need them to in the off season, when you are limping was a good word through that first round and then getting absolutely gobsmacked in the second, like it was not even a chance. So I don't know. I, I don't really have too many thoughts. Cause I guess I'm very eh, confused about what would be the right quote unquote choice for them but they should look into it at least, but I can't think of a name right now that I'd be like, Oh, this person would be a better fit for the Panthers. I don't have one of those in mind. I will, however, say they did my boy Claude Giroux so dirty. He wanted a cup <laughs> so badly. I am so sad. They let him down. They let him down. He finally gets traded to a team with like relative, like even thought of a Stanley cup run, like even just like a little inkling of it. And then he just gets fricked over. And I am so sad for him because he wanted it. And oh, there's always next season, buddy, but I don't know where he'll be, but I hope it's somewhere with a decent chance at a Stanley cup. Cause he deserves that. Yeah. I think, I think it's safe to say that Claude Giroux is going to end up somewhere at least exciting. Even if it's not a super good cup contender, he'll be, uh, if he's somewhere new, it'll be a good team. Nonetheless. As for the goaltending situation, I feel like a lot of teams, especially recently, have gotten themselves into these contract um, issues with goalies who are either too old or are overpaid or underperforming. Now, you could say what you want about Sergei Bobrovsky, but he's a Vesna winner. It's not like the Bruins who overpaid Linus Olmark. You have the 2017 Vesna winner in Sergei Bobrovsky, who admittedly his best years are behind him. Um, and he's into his thirties now, and you've got a really, really great, but also really young goaltender waiting in the wings. I don't think Spencer Knight would be, it wouldn't be a disaster if he took over full time. I just think there'd be a big learning curve there. I don't think they win as many games with him as a full-time starter, um, just because of the inexperience. But I think you have to start putting your trust into your younger goaltender. Because if you look at the pedigree of Igor Shesterkin, for example, if you don't trust him when he's ultimately young, he doesn't get this good by the time he's, what, 25, 26? Um, and I think previously you could say the same thing for the Devils with Mackenzie Blackwood. If they didn't take a chance on him when he was 22, 23, he wouldn't have established himself as an elite goaltender before all the injuries, unfortunately. The only thing is now is 
you can't really ship Sergei Bobrovsky anywhere with that contract. So I think for the time being, they're going to have to eat that contract with Bob as the starter. Um, he's not going, he's not going to be as good as a Vasilevsky or as an Igor Chesterkin, but he still has the ability to produce those moments. He was at one point far and away the best goalie in the national hockey league. And that didn't, that time wasn't too long ago. It was within the last four or five years. So I don't think it's going to be the end of the world if they have to keep paying Bobrovsky. The only problem with that is other players are going to have to go in his place. I think we're not there yet because they've got a lot of these contracts long-term. A lot of these guys aren't being paid as much as they should be yet. I mean, when, when a guy like Huberto asks for a payday, it's going to go up, right? Like it's ridiculous how good some of these guys are with the money they're making. Um, and specifically to the defensive pairings, they have got some great, great defensive players. I think, Tyler, was it you who had Mackenzie Wieger for the Norris yeah. vote? Yeah. yeah. And then I had Aaron Ekblad. So like, this is, and those guys don't even play on the same line together, right? Yeah. Like this is the, we're dipping into the bottom pairing of defense and we're still getting some really, really good players here. Um, this is a deep team and it's a team that's going to be good in the future. They should have been better in the playoffs this year. That's for sure. But the warning signs, um, aren't as crazy as some might make them out to be with the sweep. Um, if you look at the lightning when they got swept uh, or was, did they get swept? Yeah. Or, they got yeah. Swept. And then they come back the next year and they win the cup. They haven't and lost. They do it again the year after. <laughs> I haven't lost the series since then. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't slam the panic button yet for the Panthers or for Sergei Bobrovsky. I think they're going to take another year to figure that whole situation out, but there's still so much to be excited about with this team. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with, you know, not slamming the panic button yet. Obviously when you're the president's trophy winners and you get swept mm-hmm. out of the playoffs, it's not a good look, but it is still a, a relatively young team. They do have their core locked up. You'd think with a Bobrovsky trade, they would have to eat some salary, probably upwards of 50%. And so, you know, you're not getting the full $10 million cap relief, but, you know, looking in the future, say this team, continues to lose in you know the second or third round it just seems they're one piece away and you have a goalie sitting there at 10 million who isn't fulfilling his contracts worth necessarily even if you're only able to shed you know five million or so that five million I mean that could be so huge Florida is pretty cap strapped I believe they have four million cap space and they have some depth players to sign so an extra couple million could be Absolutely huge if you're a team like Florida who has struggled to get over the hump. But I agree with both of you saying that, you know, this team, this was the start of their window, it felt like. And they, I mean, they won the President's Trophy for a reason. They're they're an outstanding hockey team. And while it didn't show up in the playoffs for whatever reason, I think the few Florida Panther fans out there will, they, 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 they have plenty to look forward to. But uh, so we can move to the Western Conference now, which objectively these Western Conference playoffs have been more entertaining than the Eastern Conference ones, I would say, as a fan of a team in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Uh, and we'll start off with your Colorado Avalanche, Sam. What, this has been an absolutely insane series. Plenty of storylines, some good, some bad. We can start most recently with Game 5. You were there last night. Colorado jumps out to a 3 nothing lead, and I thought, you know, that was all she wrote. But obviously, the Blues make a wild comeback and, and win in overtime. So just take us through your thoughts. What was it like being in that building? Well, first of all, that place was just insane. It was electric with, I mean, everything that's happened recently with Nazem Kadri and all of that. It was, first of all, very heartwarming. There were hundreds probably of Stan with Nod signs, which I loved. And it wasn't just Avs fans holding them. It was Blues fans too, which I really enjoyed because first and foremost, there is no place for hate or racism in hockey. 
anyways, um, or anywhere but in hockey. But so um, that was just like the start of the game. Electric, you know, we come out three nothing lead. I also thought it was over. I was like, wow, there's a lot of time. I was predicting like a three one finish at that point. I was like, we're good. We're fine. Like Darcy's looking great between the pipes, making some excellent saves. And then the blues come back as much as I dislike the blues, my vendetta against them remains. That was an excellent comeback. Here's what happened in my eyes is we get to the third period. There's Mac gets his hat trick building goes wild. I've never seen so many hats during a hat trick. It was insane. And I think the abs then let off the gas because they sat there and they said, Oh, there's 10 minutes left in the third. We're up by however much we're going to be fine. And they went to running the clock way too soon where I think they still needed to stay as strong offensively as they had, they needed to keep trying to score. And in my eyes, it looked like they were just kind of sitting back on their heels a little bit and trying to run the clock, which you can't do when there's 10, 15 minutes left in a game, especially in a round two Stanley cup playoff game against the blues against a team that is so good. So I think that a lot of things kind of just floundered last night in moments where they shouldn't have and I hate to, I hated to see that it went to overtime. That last that goal that brought it to overtime, the that tied it 4-4 should not have happened. That should not have happened. It should have been stopped. But I, I love Darcy Kemper. I think he's a phenomenal goalie, but that was sad. But you know what? There's always time. We've won in St. Louis twice before. We can win again. Bam. <laughs> I I just this is just the magic of playoff hockey. Like I mean, maybe you could say Colorado, they, they counted their chickens before they hatched and took the foot off the gas with a minute left and they dropped game five because of it, but they still got game six and seven. And they, I think they're the better team. Um, I think they proved it actually by giving up two goals late like that um, to make it three, three, and then scoring again. But I think they showed, they showed a lot of character to have done that. And then immediately was like, okay, we don't need any more character. We want it's over. And the Blues showed even more character. And that's just what playoff hockey is. It's just a bunch of a bunch of people pushing themselves to the limit. So much resilience. Um, and, yeah, as for that hat trick, um, the hats, it was absurd. You see how many trash bags they had to fill up because of that? That was crazy. They had to go to commercial break, I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Did they? Yeah, because they're just like I, um, dead air. <laughs> a little, I'm a little jealous that you got to be there just as a hockey fan, as a neutral. I'm. I, I'm, I feel sad for you that you had to witness that as a fan of the team, but um, this, it was just an absolute spectacle. I, I, this game was crazy. The fact that there were four goals in like the last eight minutes and there were four goals in the previous 45 minutes or so, that's crazy. Um, it's just, this is playoff hockey. There's no other way to say it. Like, it's not, it's not like this was, oh, everyone saw this coming, the Blues scoring <laughs> three to come back. No, like this was just a crazy game that we see every year these games happen. And that's why we love playoff hockey so much. And that's why we're sitting here talking about it. Um, also, Nick Letty, amazing game, by the way. Uh, did not see three assists from him coming. I mean, I'm not going to lie, but he was he was phenomenal. Yeah, he's been solid for them uh, after acquiring him through a trade this year. And that McKinnon goal, I mean, just ridiculous. If I don't want to, you know, count chickens before they hatch but if we could get a nathan mckinnon versus Connor mcdavid conference final 
Oh my God. Wow. I'd be glued to the couch. I mean, both of those guys are just Dude. literally going God mode right now, carrying their teams. McKinnon literally doing as much as he can last night to try and carry the abs to the Western conference final. Unfortunately they fall short, but let's talk about Nazem Kadri, a really unfortunate scenario. You got to go back to game three. He gets tied up with blues defenseman, Kyle Rosen. They crash into Jordan Bennington, Bennington, who was playing, I mean, spectacular hockey as the blues goalie. He's forced to leave the game. And then you find out that he's done for the series, a really unfortunate development for all sides. A lot of people, you know, thinking Kadri, you know, he has a history of, of some dirty plays, especially in the postseason. So when you initially hear, oh, Nazem Kadri was involved with the hit of a goalie, it, it doesn't necessarily sound good. But watching the replay, I mean, there's really not more, nothing more he could have done. He's reaching for a puck. Both the players are reaching for a puck. They bounce into each other and they end up piling into Bennington. And I think the vast majority of, of former players and analysts have all said the same thing. Unfortunately, you have fans of the St. Louis Blues, you know, making racist remarks, threatening Kadri and his family. The Blues needed to have increased law enforcement presence for game four. Love that Nazem Kadri scored a hat trick in that game. I mean, like, oh my that, God. Was, that was just perfect. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a really unfortunate scenario that it came to that. Um, and it was really great to see Nazem Kadri respond the way he did because. In times past, you know, with the Maple Leafs, he's been known as a player who has let his emotions get the best of him. And he's taken some really stupid and really dirty penalties that have cost his teams in the playoffs in years past. And, you know, this whole situation, all this attention on him, all this negative attention on him, you were really hoping that he was going to be able to rise above it. And he did more than rise above it. I mean, he, he showed utmost professionalism. And to see the response last night as well, Sam, from the Avs fans, but also from the Blues fans that were in attendance. It was really great to see. And obviously there's no place in hockey for that kind of hate, but it was really good to see the way that the Avs franchise, the Avs fan base and Nazem Kadri were able to, you know, rise above that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, there's no place for any of that anywhere, but especially like in hockey, when we're looking at this microcosm of a world of whatever it is, it should have never gotten to the point it did with the threats he was getting. I understand he's done some things in the past. Trust me, I've been at some of those games where he's gotten the suspensions. Like, lest we forget what, two years ago in the playoffs, near like a six-game suspension like last year, like last something year, like that. Last year. Yeah, like I was there. I saw it. Like, I, I know he can do some things, but it should never get to that point. And to see so many people standing for him and with him, was fantastic and that hat trick you can it was poetic justice like there is no way to say that (laughs) besides it was just poetic justice and he said it himself I mean his post-game press conferences first of all if there is a picture of class and of like dealing with everything with grace and style in the face of so much awfulness and hate it's him in those press conferences because the way he's been handling himself like you said a few years ago three years ago we wouldn't have seen that out of him there's no way He's grown so much. I think part of it is honestly now that he has a daughter. Uh, I think that's changed, which his daughter is the cutest thing I've ever seen. But I honestly think that might be part of the reason why he is now the way he is. I love it. He's handled himself with grace. And he said, he's like that hat trick. He's like, that's for everyone who hates on me. He's like, that's for you. And I was like, good for you, Nas. And he played a very clean game last night. They Sometimes they came after him. There were a few penalties that should have been called on a couple blues players that weren't in my opinion, but I think what we're seeing out of him is a lot of 
growth, both as a player and a person, which I'm really, really enjoying. And it's been an exciting series so far. Shame about Bennington, but you know what? Shame about Sam Gerard. Nothing dirty about either of those plays. It was just a series of unfortunate circumstances. And that happens sometimes. It's hockey. People get hurt. I, yeah, I, just to echo the same points is that Nazem Kadri is a beast. Um, we haven't talked about the fact yet that he's having a career year and totally. uh, like an amazing year at that. And he's more than a point per game easily. Um, and it's one of his lower penalty minutes years too. So that's great. I think that speaks to his character as a player, uh, but that's not to say that he isn't so an incredible physical presence that any team in the NHL would be lucky to have. Um, he is a fantastic player. The Avalanche are a fantastic team and he has shown fantastic character, but more, more importantly, the fans of both teams have come together in a way that's pretty inspiring. Um, the awful things that were said about Nazem Kadri and his family, it was absolutely unacceptable um, in any uh, facet of life, especially not hockey. That stuff does not belong in sports. Um, it doesn't belong anywhere. And the resilience of Nazem Kadri and his teammates and just in general, the community surrounding it has been um, mostly positive. I, I thought uh, Craig Berube's, um his, his uh, um, post-game talk about it when he was interviewed, what he said had literally no substance at all. Um, and that was not worth – it wasn't worth saying it for him anyway. So that, that, that's its own issue. Um, as for the, the uh, accusations of dirty plays, there really hasn't – happened i think it's just unfortunate injuries in hockey um binnington out is, is a sad one uh, no one wants to see that but if and i don't want to jump the gun here tyler if we talk about the other western conference series where there have been genuinely really dirty plays that the referees have even you know called attention to the entire the targeting of johnny goudreau's injury by the oilers defenseman the referees literally said we're going to watch for that in the next game because we notice that the uh, oilers are not being kind to Johnny Hockey, shout out New Jersey. Um, but yeah, as far as the Blues Avalanche goes, the off the ice stuff, um, it's terrible until the fans made it good. Um, and it's been mostly inspiring at this point, and I hope it stays that way. I really, really don't want to see um, someone have to post their private DMs of racist abuse again because it shouldn't oh, be happening. God. It was yeah. absolutely horrific what some people were saying. Um, and how would you not love Nazem Kadri now? Like, Right. He's the exactly. best. Yeah. I mean, I was not a big Nazem Kadri fan before this, but definitely <laughs> this is definitely elevated my opinion of him. And I'm sure a lot of people in the hockey community game six of this series is tomorrow, tomorrow night. Yeah. So we'll see if the avalanche get another shot at advancing to their first Western conference final since 2002, which is crazy to think of since it feels yeah. like the abs have been really good for, I know obviously they were so bad, uh, that little stretch 2016 17 yeah, yeah but it's kind of surprising that this team has not been able to crack through yet so we'll see if they do and we'll take that cue from James and pop over to the final series which has been going on which has probably been the craziest series the battle of alberta zero goaltending to be found anywhere <laughs> <laughs> they're up 3 games to 1 calgary won that game 1 9 to 6 which that, okay, the Calgary the Calgary Edmonton game one was after Rangers Hurricanes game one. I took a little sad nap after that. <laughs> it was six to two, or I think I went to sleep when it was like five one Flames. And I was like, I don't want to watch hockey right now. I'm tired and sad. So I took my little nap, 
And I went back out and the game's still on TV and it's six, six. I mean, what an incredible game flames end up pulling that one out, but the Oilers have now won three straight. Um, two big storylines, in my opinion, we'll start with the Oilers, Sam. Connor McDavid is putting together maybe the most ridiculous playoff performance of all time. He's got 25 points in 11 games. He's got two goals and nine assists in this series. I was reading today, he's averaging 2.27 points per game in these playoffs. That's the first time in 30 years anyone has done that. And there's only two times in NHL history where a player has done has, has averaged more points per game. Both of them were by Wayne Gretzky in the mid-80s with the Oilers. So that was prime Gretzky doing this. I mean, there's we're running out of words to describe the way Connor McDavid is playing right now. Yeah, like when your only competition for your stats in history is Wayne Gretzky, like I think you're in a pretty good spot. Um, he is a beast. I think he is undeniably one of the greatest skaters in hockey right now and approaching slash he, if he's not already ever. He is just unreal to watch. A little part of me is like, God, I do not want to face him. But like you said, that McKinnon-McDavid war would be some of the best hockey, I think, in the last five years, if not longer. This series has not at all gone the way I expected it to. I expected like a flame sweep just because I thought that if there's competition for the Avs in the Western Conference, it is the Flames. And boy, am I wrong right now, which is I can admit defeat and I'm admitting it at this moment. He is just, Connor McDavid is doing everything he can to carry this team through. And he's doing a great job of it. When you are plus minus 17, you're plus 17 in the playoffs <laughs> alone. Like, I don't know what to say about that. I think like Bowen Byron right now is like the highest plus minus in the history for the abs in the playoffs. And he's like plus nine. So when you're plus 17, like my job, I have no words. I think he is insane. I think that. This has been a phenomenal series to watch. No goaltending anywhere. Like you said, like just empty nets at this point, but literally, people, literally. Are, scoring from, people are scoring from their own defensive zone, Sam. Oh, what the heck? oh my gosh. What the <laughs> heck? That goal, you, which we know the goal we're talking about that, that one that was like 150 feet or whatever, rewatching that video and just watching the goalie go, what? And turn around. <laughs> Is so funny. To be fair, he did say he loses sight of the puck when it goes that high because it doesn't have the white background. That's fair. But yeah, from your own defensive zone, scoring is just insane. The first Oilers goal of the other night as well, where um, um, Markstrom left the goal and was trying to pass the puck to someone and then they got a hold of it and scored from that absurd angle. Dude, I think this is some great playoff hockey to be watching, even if there's no goaltending. It's so much fun. I there is no goaltending that much is true but what I will say the difference between the Oilers and the Flames right now is not just Connor McDavid because that is a huge difference but it's that the Oilers learned from game one and the Flames kind of didn't the the fact that the Oilers had to come away from a game and say we scored six goals and still lost by three that's got to be a wake-up call and it was they haven't conceded more than three in a game since then and that's with the goaltending situation that they have um, and it's not, it's not a pretty one. And the TV analysts have made it known that it's not a pretty one. Every chance they get, I feel like they put up the goalies goal against average and save percentage stats for the playoffs every five minutes in this series. And it's <laughs> just depressing to look at from a goaltending statistics standpoint. But with that said, Edmonton has upped the physicality and they have upped just playing tighter defensively in general. Calgary was a team in the regular season that was so good in transition and so good in the neutral zone. 
and the Oilers have slowed down the game for the Flames so much. It's it's a drastic difference between game one and now game four. If you look at the way the Flames try to enter the zone, the way the Flames try to set up, it's been completely um, just broken down for the most part. Um, of course, the Flames still have those moments because, let's face it, the Oilers still don't have good defense always. They still don't have a great bottom six, and they still don't have uh, a great goaltender. But they've, they've polished it up to the point where they have firmly um, – establish themselves ahead and it doesn't hurt that you have the greatest player in the league scoring 25 points in 11 games and on a plus 17 I didn't know that about the plus minus that is crazy oh my god plus 17 how do you even fathom that that's ridiculous and I will say one thing I don't like Evander Kane but the event the Evander Kane signing was um was a good hockey decision I guess he he's what I thought Zach Hyman was going to be I thought Zach Hyman was going to be the complimentary player to McDavid, Dreisaitl, and uh, even Nugent Hopkins. Um, and Hyman hasn't, hasn't been bad by any stretch. He has made the team better, but Evander Kane was that missing piece that I think um, has been the extra uh, offensive piece that they've lacked from the, from the complimentary top six guys to 97 and 29 that they haven't had in, in the past few years. And I think that's going to be the difference when they go um, up against the Avalanche because I, I I already think that they've established themselves as a winner of this series. I really hope I don't get proven wrong now because I put that out there. Yeah, I mean it's going to be tough for Calgary to come back. If you just look, you mentioned the way the Oilers have been able to really slow down this Calgary offense. They obviously get the nine goals in Game One. Matthew Kachuk has the hat trick. Kachuk has not scored since. Gaudreau has yet to score in this series. The Flames only got one goal in Game Three and. If you take away the slap shot from their own defensive end last game, they only scored two <laughs> last game. So the offense for the Flames has somewhat dried up, at least compared to their regular season standards. And Jacob Markstrom has who who kidnapped Jacob Markstrom between the Stars and the Oilers series. He had a 947 save percentage in the Stars series and was outplayed by Jacob Ottinger, but played well enough so that mm. the Flames were able to advance. And he has an 824 save percentage in this series. Oh my. Yeah. Oh yeah. my yeah. god! I didn't, I didn't know, know it was that it low. Bad until I looked it up a few hours ago, and I was like, "Oh my god, that is horrendous." He has provided talk about Sergey Bobrovsky not necessarily making saves when the Panthers needed to. Markstrom has not done any favors for Calgary in this series, and mm. we talked about this a little bit with the Wild when they were down three two to the Blues, and they ended up going to Mark on or to Cam Talbot over Mark Andre Fleury. We talked about this a little bit. There was discussions when the Rangers went down 3-1 to Pittsburgh. Do you start Alexander Georgiev in game five? Ultimately, they didn't, and it worked out. But do you guys think there's any chance that in game five tonight we see Dan Vladar in that and not Jacob Markstrom? I know Markstrom is the Vesna candidate. I know he's led this team all season, but he he's not even coming close to being good enough right now. And with your season on the line, do you try and shake things up? I don't know. I mean – I said, I said, there's no way that um, Talbot got put in. I was like, there's no way they bench Mark Andre. I said like, that that's just well. right. Like I was like, yeah. that's just disrespectful. And then they did, and I was like, okay, so. And it didn't really work. It did I was not. Gonna say how did it turn out? Like, <laughs> yeah, it didn't on. work. Didn't turn out well for them. So I don't know because last time I was wrong, so I could be wrong again. My inkling is to say no because at this point it's like. But then again, maybe they will because they don't really have anything to like they do have something to lose, obviously, they're being this round. But 
if you're going to lose regardless, does it really matter who you put in? Like, that's what I'm saying is like, you're already down <laughs> by this much. Do we really think there's a chance? All the hope is can- lost. <laughs> well, yeah. Do you really think the flames can come back win yeah, three straight to win it in seven? Like, I don't know. I mean, we saw the Rangers with that crazy comeback last uh, series. And I mean, we're kind of seeing it again this series. So, or at least a little on a lesser scale, there's, I don't know. In my opinion, it doesn't matter. It does not matter, um, but we'll see, I guess. So that's not my non-answer answer, I suppose. I'll, I'll say this. As far as backups go, Ladar is very serviceable, definitely reliable. But I think, because they're going to be at home, right? Yes. For tonight? Yeah, I think the, the last thing you can do to your Vesna candidate goaltender is tell them, we don't believe in you in front of our own fans in a mm. must-win game. I think you have to play Markstrom. Because, again, the Flames are like the Panthers in the sense that this year um, is a big year, a big opportunity for them, but it doesn't have to be about this year. Like, what does it say for Jacob Markstrom in the future if he becomes second full to Dan Vladar in the playoffs? I, I don't think it's, it's, a, it's a change worth making. I, and I, don't, I think if you give a vote of confidence in a, in a goaltender who you know can be that good, can be one of the best in the league, um, now is the time to do it. You would say, look, we know you haven't been your best but we know you can be as good as anybody out there. So we're going to play you tonight and we need you to be on your best game. I think that vote of confidence for Jacob Markstrom could, could be something to rally around for the flames even because they know that they've got to be better for their goaltender and they know the goaltender Markstrom, he knows he's got to be better for his team. Um, I think, uh, I think it'd be crazy if we saw Dan Fadar starting in, in uh, game five, but crazier things have happened. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I feel like you got to, role with Markstrom but I mean he's just got to be miles better than he's been and I agree that you know it seems at this point Edmonton will advance but Calgary listen Calgary they can turn it on we know the elite offense they have and if you are somehow able to get the Jacob Markstrom over the regular season and even of the first round back that's a huge boost and we've also seen the Oilers We've seen them play some pretty bad hockey too. Mike Smith. <laughs> some games Mike Smith looks amazing. And then you got games where he looks like me in that, frankly. <laughs> so uh, things are going to be interesting. That's going to do it for us for this episode. We got a big weekend coming up in the NHL. Obviously Rangers and Flames both playing their game fives tonight. Uh, game six tomorrow. Um, for, the second round should be wrapped up. I believe Monday is the last game seven potential dates there could be. So that is trying to come back at you guys early next week with a little conference finals preview. And hopefully fingers crossed, at least in this household that we still are talking about the New York Rangers and hopefully (laughs) talking about the Colorado avalanche as well, Sam, Mm -hmm. but uh, that's going to do it for us. So one more time for James Beerley and Sam Bohr, I'm Tyler Mooney saying so long and have a nice day. 